They've got like a hundred five-star football players on their defense. They have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call. Five-star recruits everywhere and they play really physical. Damn. I think Memphis played more mature than we did. I think that, uh, which I don't even know exactly what that means, but they're more advanced than we were. And then um, sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted. Now you need to boost something, but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted. And between now and tomorrow, I'm going to figure out what it is that needs to be boosted. And whether I'm right or not, we're going to boost something. Well, you know, like I told him, I mean, don't, you know, we're not satisfied by any stretch, but you can't ever apologize for a win. You know, you know we don't have to have the best players. We just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. Listen, potential doesn't. Potential is the worst thing you can have. Because that means you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. Somebody says you got a potential to have a good team. That drives me nuts. That means that means I'm not coaching right, and they're not playing right. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And man, do we got a show lined up for you? Got one of my good buddies on the show, John Reed, Knoxville. Fox Sports radio host of Outstanding Talk Sports show. He's a very, very entertaining guy. And I was listening to his show the other day. Love the topic he was discussing. So bringing him on the show to talk about Tennessee and are they too cheap to compete at an elite level in the SEC. So we'll get to that here in a minute. And... Hey, I came up with a little bit of data here that I think will surprise a lot of people. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But hey, as we don't mention this enough, if you wouldn't be so kind, you enjoy the show. We're trying to put out as many of these as we can during the offseason. As long as I keep having ideas, we're going to keep rolling out the content. But we would really appreciate five-star written reviews on the Apple Podcast app. And now on Spotify, if you're not an Apple person, you can jump on Spotify and give us that five-star review and we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for the effort. So, hey, I got to say that. But, uh, hey, let's get on with the show. And we have just a couple news items around the league here on Monday. It was a pretty slow day. But all of a sudden, the Arkansas Razorbacks got two positions now open on Sam Pittman's coaching staff because Sam Carter, the cornerbacks coach, jumping ship to Ole Miss. So that's something that uh, Shane and I hit on on the last episode, Terrell Buckley left Ole Miss after just one season on Lane Kiffin's staff, the uh, former Mississippi State assistant. So, I mean, he's been all over. But Sam Carter, interesting, going from one SEC West school to another, staying in the division. And, you know, this might seem kind of like homerish a little bit, but I don't know that this is really that big of a loss for Arkansas. Not saying that uh, Ole Miss is, is getting a really good coach, because here's the backstory that I've been told. On this situation, Barry Odom loves this guy, Sam Carter. Did not want to lose him. He's a quality coach. But behind the scenes, I hear some friction between Sam Pittman and Sam Carter. Now, people have been quick to point out, Sam Pittman, it was just a couple weeks ago, said, I want to keep my entire staff going into next season. Now he's got two openings. So something's, something's missing. Something's missing there. But... Just the way I hear it, man, there was some friction there with Sam Carter. Sam Pittman was not interested in making a move because he didn't want to upset Barry Odom. That's how it was relayed to me. He lets Barry Odom coach the defense, lets Barry Odom basically pick his assistants, and he was not going to mess with it. So 
Barry Odom wanted to keep Sam Carter. Ole Miss getting a good one in that regard. But at the end of the day, you know, if you got an assistant coach here that maybe doesn't get along too well with the head coach and when all those Arkansas defensive backs were transferring out, a lot of people blamed it on Sam Carter. Now they've turned around and landed some commitments in the transfer portal. So maybe we give Sam Carter and Barry Odom and company credit for that as well. But interesting that uh, a loss here for Arkansas, a pickup for Ole Miss, staying in the division. And, of course, maybe Lane Kiffin looked around and said, well, hell, two years ago you exposed my offense. And then last season I kind of got the better end of you, but maybe wants to pick Sam Carter's brain a little bit there. So he's obviously been impressed with them. We just wanted to make that note. And staying in the SEC West, big recruiting news because the nation's number one linebacker, Harold Perkins, decommit from the Texas A&M Aggies. I'm not crying for the Aggies here. They got about uh, seven, eight, five stars, 24 stars still in the class. And I don't think Perkins is officially writing off the Aggies at this point, but he did recently visit Florida, which has got them Gators fired up that they may be getting the number one linebacker in the country. He's also set to visit Miami and LSU, Harold Perkins that is. He plans to announce his final decision on National Signing Day, February 4th. So, That'll be one to watch. We'll see if he goes on these visits to LSU. I know they're feeling pretty good about uh, their chances to land the nation's number one linebacker, Harold Perkins, who's from the state of Texas. So it'd be tough to pull him away from there. You know, all the jokes with $30 million that's uh, made up stat, but I guess Perkins didn't get his yet. He's not officially signed. So something to look there. Nation's number one linebacker back on the market, and that'll be maybe the biggest decision set to be made on National Signing Day in just a couple of days here, really. Now, jumping over to the SEC East, and this is going to tie into our show topic here for today, but South Carolina landed a transfer from Georgia defensive back slash running back Lavoisier Carroll. And this is an interesting pickup. This is going to go under the radar, I think, because Carroll – Went to Georgia as a running back from IMG Academy. As soon as he got there, switched to defensive back. I'm hearing that Carroll's going to begin his South Carolina career. They're going to give him a shot at running back, which is uh, where he wants to play. And he was the number six running back prospect in the country in the uh, 2021 recruiting cycle. So he's only played one year of college football. So South Carolina, you know, maybe you're getting a player that uh, Georgia didn't think was good enough to play running back. Gets him a little edge here. He's going to stay in the the SEC East, clearly. Probably wants another crack at Georgia. Maybe wants a crack at Florida. Who knows? But you're getting a very, very, very talented player if you're the South Carolina Gamecocks. And with two of your running backs off to the NFL, you could use all the talent you can get at that position. So a nice little pickup there for Shane Beamer and company. But like I said, that's, that's going to tie in to the show topic today. So we all know about recruiting rankings. Obviously, that's been a thing for 20 years. But now, I think we've really got to find a way to factor in the transfer portal rankings because that is becoming such a huge component of college football. And credit the fine people over there at uh, 24-7 Sports, who, again, they've been doing recruiting for a long, long time. Now they've gone the extra step, and they rank the transfer portal classes And they even assigned grades to all of those. So what I thought would be interesting 
We'll take the 24-7 composite recruiting rankings. Those are the ones I go off of. And the reason, I've explained this before, but maybe you've missed it. There's several recruiting services, ESPN, Rivals, 24-7 Sports, and now we got all in three sports. And the composite takes all those rankings, puts them together, averages them out. That's how you get the composite. So recruiting, obviously, an inexact science, but the more data, the more accurate results you're going to find across the board. So that's why I go with the composite rankings. And I'll run those down real quick. This ain't going to be news to anybody. We already knew this following uh, the, the early signing period, and now we're heading into the National Signing Day. So this is just going to be a quick recap. But I'm going to go down the recruiting class rankings currently for all 14 SEC programs. Of course, we all know Texas A&M. They're number one in the country. Alabama, number two. Georgia, number three. How about that? The SEC, again, sweeping the top three. Kentucky, outstanding class, number 11. Missouri, their best class ever, currently ranked number 12. Tennessee, number 15. Auburn, 16. Arkansas, 20. LSU, 21. Ole Miss, 23. South Carolina, 24. Mississippi State, 25. Florida, 26. Vanderbilt, 35. And in addition to those rankings, 24-7 sports composite also gives the overall class rankings. The service ranks into every individual player has a ranking, and that gets thrown together to make the class rankings, if that makes sense. So that's how the, they factor in these class rankings for every team in the country. And now, like I said, now they have the transfer portal rankings as well. So this is kind of the new aspect of it, and I'm going to run down SEC's dominating this thing, too, because great news for uh, LSU, Brian Kelly and company down there, because according to 24-7 Sports, they have the number one transfer portal class in the country right now. Number one, Ole Miss, not far behind, number three, Arkansas, number four, South Carolina, number nine, Florida, number 10, Alabama, 11, Kentucky, 24, and Auburn, 25 and there's some others but they don't have many commits but they're still in the rankings hopefully i'm not losing too many people here but what i thought would be interesting take the recruiting rankings that we have already take the transfer portal rankings that i just read to you that are updated as more transfers commit to schools so we're going to take the two rankings and average them out to make the updated rankings for recruits transfers, putting them together, and what do we come up with? Kind of an interesting result here. Alabama, number one ranking with all the transfers set to come into Tuscaloosa. Alabama would have the number one class here combining recruiting and transfer rankings, which, hey, maybe this is a better indication of uh, who's bringing in the most talent this offseason. Maybe it is Alabama. Maybe it's not Texas A&M, although Hey, I don't think anyone uh, in College Station would trade any of their guys because their high school class is so elite. But Texas A&M not really bringing anyone via the transfer portal. They have uh, the number 86th transfer portal class in the country, which gives them number two in the rankings for these updated class. Alabama one, Texas A&M number two, Georgia remains number three. But here's where we start to really see changes 
when we add in the transfer portal additions. LSU, number four. How about that? So, you know, that's where LSU fans expect to be. Top four, top three, really, in the country, in the SEC. And with all these transfers they got, according to 24-7 Sports, you combine these rankings, they're right there. Now, how about this? Ole Miss, not doing great in high school recruiting, but they're doing outstanding in transfer portals. So they're number five in the SEC. How about that? Arkansas, number six, after all these transfer commitments they've picked up in the last week or so. Kentucky, number seven. South Carolina, number eight. Auburn, number nine. Florida, number 10. Missouri, 11. Tennessee, 12. Mississippi State, 13. And Vanderbilt, 14. Now, certainly if you're, let's say, a fan of Missouri or Tennessee, you're probably sitting here saying, well, what the hell? We had a top 15 class. Now we're not even in the top 10 in the SEC. I wouldn't bat an eye at this, to be honest with you, because Missouri just did such an incredible job knocking it out of the park in high school recruiting. Eli Drinkowitz and company building that thing the right way. Tennessee, similar, although they don't really quite have the roster spots for all these transfers. I, of course, they went after a couple. They lost one to Florida State, one flipped to Texas, so they'd be a lot higher had they had those two guys commit. But, you know, that'll sort itself out after spring. And if I'm Vanderbilt, you know, that's just a complete rebuild. So you're not really wanting to add any transfers. They have only added one transfer. Clark Lee and company want to develop these guys, and that's got to be just an incredible, incredibly difficult pitch to make to a transfer to come in here in Vanderbilt and struggle because, you know, there's no turnaround in sight necessarily next season for the Commodore. So understand that one. But, hey, and we're throwing it up on the screen here on the YouTube channel. But I just thought that was pretty interesting. Alabama, if you factor in the transfers, a little bit of higher class than A&M. And LSU, Ole Miss, Arkansas, just a gauntlet there in the West. You know, they're, they have good recruiting classes, but even better, you factor in the transfer portal addition. So, hey, I don't even know if it's an exact science, just something I thought would be kind of interesting to come up with. I do think it's pretty wild that the SEC's got six of the top 11 transfer classes, and they ain't done yet. I mean, there's going to be many more transfers to come, but that's something to consider. We're heading into National Signing Day again, February 4th. You're looking at your team's ranking. You're not too happy with it. Factor in those transfers. Uh, I bet a lot more fan bases are excited about the talent influx they have this offseason in the SEC. But all right, hey, that's enough of me trying to come up with interesting topics here. Let's kick it over to our interview with my man, John Reed, talking Tennessee NIL, hot topic here on Rocky Top. All right, we're pleased to once again be joined by my man, John Reed. He's the host of the outstanding radio show, Talk Sports, on Fox Sports Knoxville. Got to check it out, and you got to give him a follow at John2 underscores Reed on the Twitter machine. John, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, always a pleasure. Happy to talk to you. Hope you're well. Yeah, I am. And, um, you know, there's always a little bit of a, a little bit of a meltdown all across the SEC. And, of course, Tennessee fans, they're so damn passionate. You know, just the same. And that's really why I wanted to have you on because last week 
You know, all Vol fans know by now the Wyoming transfer, Isaiah Nahor, flipped his commitment to Tex- from Tennessee to Texas. And as soon as that happened, I caught your show Talk Sports. You had a really great uh, conversation there on just basically asking, is Tennessee too damn cheap to compete in the ultra-competitive SEC? Can you kind of rehash your argument there and, and kind of what made you want to discuss that on the air? Well, yeah, it just spills. You know, I think the actual point I was making, you know, I was asking the question because it's always easier to ask people if you're too cheap rather than just scream about Tennessee being too cheap. But for me, like, I feel like Tennessee athletics are at a crossroads right now when it comes to trying to stay competitive or become competitive again in the SEC. You know, the money is here. The money is here, and you've seen – you know, what Texas A&M just did, for example, and maybe that's an outlier or maybe that's the new norm. I don't know, but there's a lot of money that's now legally thrown around in the SEC. And for Tennessee, to, you know, have to deal with some, some of the rumors and reports around here that Tennessee's kind of dropping the ball with their NIL proposals. And, you know, I know New York was from Texas. And, you know, you know, maybe wanted to go to Texas. But keep in mind, he committed to Tennessee without even, like, really getting on campus. And then, you know, came to Tennessee afterwards uh, for a visit. And, you know, his mom said, hey, like, we're shutting it down. The next thing you know, he's in Texas. And the next thing you know, you know, he is flipping and signing with Texas or transferring to Texas, however you want to phrase it. And, look, I understand there are weight classes here. You know, Texas is always going to be able to big boy other schools just because they're Texas. They freak out about football. But for me, it's a, you know, it's a continuing theme or, or at least one that's, you know, gotten started over the last six or seven months that, that Tennessee, who by all accounts has a ton of money to spend, has a ton of, you know, resources with big time boosters and, and rich donors who care. It's been really frustrating here in Knoxville to see, you know, a, a lack of, a lack of companies, a lack of people stepping up to, you know, kind of be at the forefront when it comes to, you know, trying to, you know, get players compensated. It seems like Tennessee's dragging their feet. And, you know, for a, a program that's desperate to get back, you know, it's really, really hard to watch from the sidelines. Yeah, and, you know, I should note, uh, you know, they do have an NIL agreement with uh, a company, I, I, believe, I believe it's called uh, Spire. So it's not like they're not doing any. But, you know, you shared a really interesting story. I was hoping that maybe you could, uh, you know, without – I'm sure you don't want to burn a uh, a sponsor or anything, but you you noted that you know you did have a sponsor that was interested in in hooking up Hendon Hooker legally, which is you know it's all above board at this point. Can you uh, share that story? And, and basically, the way you told it on air was it was a struggle to get to Tennessee to to hook that up for him. Yeah, no, I mean like you know first of all it's the Spire Sports. I don't want to like besmirch them. Uh, you know at least somebody's trying. I am waiting to see like where it's goes because so far it seems like it's like it's hard to hear about you know what texas a&m and other schools are throwing around and then see tennessee's big plan has been like hey here you go fans donate your money you know 10 20 100 a pop to this company that is going to get it to the player somehow without like a proof of concept or like any real you know, tangible evidence that it's going to work and that the money is going to, going to go to the right place. But that's a different story and a different conversation. But yeah, no, this would have been about, you know, October, November, you know, after Hinton Hooker had established himself. And 
you know, of course, in Knoxville, you start thinking, well, just how good is Hendon Hooker? You start looking at the quarterback draft class in the upcoming NFL draft, and you're just like, wouldn't it be so Tennessee? That's what fans always say around here. So Tennessee to have this guy that you finally feel good about leave school because keep in mind, you know, Hendon Hooker's a little bit older, leave school to go to the NFL draft because he wants to get paid. And, you know, why is someone stepping up? Why is he all over billboards right now? Like, you finally have, I don't want to call Hendon Hooker a star, but you finally had a Tennessee quarterback that didn't repulse the fans. I mean, think about, you know, the years of Jared Garantano. Think about how bad Joe Milton was for a game and a half. Like, you finally had a guy that seemed likable, just, you know, seemed ready to kind of be the face of a program, and you were dropping the ball. And I'm talking about that on air, and I'm getting text messages from, you know, someone who works with a pretty big company locally that was wanting to make a splash and, you know, make Ken and Hooker the pitch man, you know, for some, you know, a project they were working on. And he was telling me, like, look, we're trying. We've, we've tried to call and give him and Hooker money. We've tried to get him a big deal. We can't get anyone to call us back. We've been calling him for, you know, two weeks at this point, three weeks, kind of, kind of nonstop, and no one will even return our phone calls. And, you know, we didn't get into the specifics of money. I would imagine at the very least it was, you know, five figures, low five figures. It could have been higher than that, but ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars something to get the ball rolling. And again, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know it was a big project. And they said they were trying to, you know, make an offer. And just, it was frustrating from that point on, just kind of looking and, you know, Tennessee is a big brand. Like I know that the Vols haven't been great. So I guess no surprise to anyone who keeps up in the SEC, but still every year you'll see Tennessee in the top 20 in revenue. You'll see Tennessee on EST and you'll see them, you know, still, having some brand recognition, being good players here at Tennessee should have, especially in a fun season, Mike, should have had a bigger endorsement lined up than Cade Mays getting to sling some crystals with his brother and Alante Taylor, you know, both those guys I'm talking about, all three of those guys, Tennessee, local kids, and Alante Taylor's running a free cookie promotion with interceptions. And God bless him. I hope he was getting a lot of money, but I don't imagine they were spending you know too much money with that. But that's just kind of the nickel and diming that Tennessee was you know dealing with this year. And you know the report came out that Kate Mays again, local kid, right down the road, transferred from Georgia, gave up on chances to win national championships to come back you know home to play with his brother. If if anybody would you know be the face of a local program, if it's not your quarterback, it's going to be the homegrown kid. And he said, look, I need, you know, basically fourth or fifth round money, or it might have been third or fourth round money, essentially $300,000 to, you know, come back to school. Keep in mind, five-star offensive lineman, starting offensive lineman, a very important player on that offensive line, and crickets. Like, you didn't hear anything about anybody stepping up, and then he has now declared for the draft, and he is leaving. Mm -hmm. So all that just kind of spilled over at one point. And, yeah, like, you have to ask the question, is Tennessee football serious right now? And I don't think anyone – can say yes confidently you can hope you can say that it's coming down the bend in the spring i know that's the popular narrative here in town it's like no no give them time we're you know tennessee's still dealing with sanctions they're still dealing with the probation from jeremy pruitt and and in the spring that's when the big money is going to come around don't worry and if you believe that that's fine maybe it's true but you know i think we've all been let down by tennessee for a long enough time to at least question the validity the validity of those statements yeah, and obviously the SEC soon to add officially Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, we know it's coming. We just don't know the time frame. 
So, you know, my question to you, John, is just how imperative is it do you think that Tennessee gets serious about this and steps up? Because the way I'm looking at this, I think the SEC, I mean, hell, it's already the best conference in the country by a country mile here, but I think it's going to be significantly, significantly bigger in the coming years. And I'm seeing Ole Miss, they're, they're spending $1.5 billion on new facilities. Uh, A&M's already got like the nicest facilities in the SEC. They're spending an extra $500 million to make it even better. And I can go on and on and on. These programs are putting in the investment to make sure that when Texas and Oklahoma come in, you know, they're, they, they're doing what they can now so they can compete down the road. How big of a, a challenge is this going to be for Tennessee to kind of do the same? Because uh, I agree with everything you're saying, and, and I, I feel like if Tennessee just stands pat here, uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to compete in the, in the new SEC, so to speak. Well, you know, it's again, and I don't want to sound like I was freaking out. I know it's like, you know, we've, it's been a couple of days since the conversation, but like I, I kept trying to point out, like, it's, this isn't a freak out because you lost a Wyoming wide receiver to Texas. Right. Like, to me, it's just been, you know, a decade of incompetence, a decade of bargain bin shopping. And keep in mind, like, Tennessee, again, maybe I'm overstating it, but has been a top 15, top 20 brand. The power T does still mean something, and the money has been there. But just look down the list of coaches that they've hired, you know, since Philip Fulmer, really since Lane Kiffin. I mean, you can, you can talk about Lane Kiffin being a, uh, a splash hire, whatever. Uh, but then after that, you, you know, obviously – poach Louisiana Tech uh, coach, you poach Cincinnati's coach, you grab a coordinator from Alabama, you grab a coach from UCF. So, like, none of these have been established big-time coaches. I was screaming for everyone in January to, like, look down the pike, see what's coming. We know big TV money's coming. Mike, I think me and you even talked about it. Like, every college football coach that was going to be worth a damn was going to be making seven, eight million dollars. That's just the way it was trending. Like great coaches are going to be making twelve, thirteen million dollars, like the Brian Kellys are all of a sudden making and Nick Sabins and all that. And everyone else is going to be making seven, eight million dollars. Tennessee had a chance to finally like lead the charge on that, be ahead of the curve. You have Danny White. Tennessee, ironically enough, broke the bank for him, paid him big time money to get him away from UCF to show that, you know, you're finally serious about about being an elite program again. And then you know, you end up hiring Josh Heupel, $4 million, 10th, 11th highest paid coach. Obviously, whenever Oklahoma and Texas come into the league, that's going to get knocked down because they pay their coaches more than that. And you start thinking, like, you're, you're, you're competing financially with South Carolina and Vanderbilt, and that's just not how you're supposed to see yourself. So, like, you know, keeping up with the facilities – Tennessee's trying to do some renovations, keeping up with, you know, whatever it was you were talking about with Ole Miss. Like, oh, that's nice, but yeah, it doesn't have to be that. You could just, you could just have like invested in trying to like get you a home run coach, and maybe Josh Heifel will be good. I'm, I'm not trying to make that personal to him. I think Tennessee fans are all pretty satisfied with his first year, give or take a couple of instances and some questions I do have. But like I said, this is just a decade of you just like dropping the ball as the SEC money started pouring in and evening the playing field, it, you know, Tennessee is no longer special financially, or at least it doesn't act like it is. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned the AD Danny White, of course, you know, that, like you said, that was a splashy hire. How much confidence do you have in him to, to, to kind of reverse this course? Because, you know, I've, I've heard the rumblings that maybe he's, you know, kind of pissed off kind of the, the old money, but at the same time, 
I mean, this guy's got an outstanding track record. And like you said, I think the vast majority of Tennessee fans were, you know, just <laughs> beside themselves that Josh Heupel, a guy from Central Florida, got the job. But he's done, you know, I think a, a fairly remarkable job in, in one year. The, the baseball is successful. The Lady Vols are successful. Rick Barnes, I, I know some people got questions about him, but hell, the, I think Tennessee basketball has been in a better, best place it's been in a, in a long, long time outside of maybe a Bruce Pearl run here or there. But, you know, it certainly seems like they've got the, the whole athletic program moving in the right direction at, at the very least. Yeah, no, and don't forget uh, the number one ranked tennis team in the country oh, as yeah. well. So some respect. And the Cornhole National Champion. I mean, like, all, all of those – all of that groundwork outside of football was already laid, though. Like, I'm not giving Danny White credit for landing Tony Vitello. Like, Tony Vitello obviously was already here. Mm-hmm. He didn't let Tony Vitello leave, which, you know, there was, uh, you know, some really nervous times here at Tennessee that, you know, that they weren't necessarily seeing eye-to-eye with some of the – you know, renovations of Lindsey Nelson, uh, you know, some rumors that they were wanting to, the team to move to the new downtown park that's coming in, a, you know, the next couple of years. So, you know, we Danny did close the deal and keep Vitello here. So I will give him credit for that. But, yeah, I mean, again, all back page rumors and all stuff you just kind of hear secondhand. But the thought process is that he is struggling a little bit with some of the old money, but Danny is trying to – focus on getting new energy in the program, you know, getting new season ticket holders there. Some of the stuff does worry me that it's just to add to a resume, which you called impressive, which it is. But like some of that makes me worried that it's not necessarily a long-term plan as much as it is. I can point to, look, I grew Tennessee season ticket sales by 400%. We went from X amount of season ticket holders and, you know, added X amounts. You know, he's already talked about the, the number of uh, $25,000 boosters that they've added since he got here. So, like, some of the stuff does kind of scream look at me. But so far, I have no real problems with Danny. I don't know how, you know, the coaching search went. Some people talked about them trying to make a move on James Franklin and, you know, just kind of coming short on the money. I don't know. You know, Josh Heupel, again, I think everyone would give a B at the very least. Some people would give him an A. So the, 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 the door is still open on Danny. but. You know, Tennessee is pretty healthy when it comes to everything, and, and the baseball renovations are coming. And, you know, they are putting a party deck in for Neyland Stadium, which is going to look weird, and it's going to, you know, most likely take, I mean, I think, assuredly take Tennessee under 100,000. So it's going to train some of the tradition around here for sure. But ultimately, you know what it comes down to. It comes down just to winning. Like, the party deck ain't going to help Tennessee win. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's going to come down to getting players and – Tennessee tried the paying players illegally with Jeremy Pruitt. Didn't go so well. Went three and seven, probation, all of those things. And I'm just worried that they don't have like a leadership plan in place to do it legally. Because I, I read, you know, Jenny White's piece in The Athletic, or at least him being interviewed in The Athletic. And he was talking about doing everything on the up and up with integrity, which is what an AD is supposed to say. But at the same time, some of these other schools just have their head down full steam ahead because you know this, Mike. There are no rules right now. When it comes to NIL, no one really knows, like, if you're getting paid your fair market value or you're getting paid just to, you know, come to school there. So, you know, maybe all those schools end up getting in trouble. I'm going to guess they don't, but it's just been uh, something to watch and, you know, try to see Tennessee navigate. All right, last thing for you, John. I really appreciate your time. You know, just shifting to the football team and the season ahead, what's the biggest question 
that you'll have about the Vols heading into spring practice that uh, you'd, you'd hope to find an answer to by uh, by the end of spring? I mean, the defense the defense is obviously always going to be a question with a Josh Heupel team. Um, I, I think there are a lot of questions. I mean, people were kind of holding, holding out more hope for the transfer portal. That hasn't gone well early. You know, I believe some, some local reporters around here said this is all kind of designed by Tennessee to uh, c- continue with their scholarship reductions again until the spring. So I'm holding out hope on, you know, what Tennessee's going to do to fill some positions. But, you know, looking ahead to year two, it's going to be more of the same from year one. And what I mean by that is just what Josh Heupel has to consistently prove is that he can overwhelm and beat these teams that have less talent than Tennessee. You know, year one, he did a pretty good job of that. I don't think there's any loss on the schedule that you could point to, except maybe, you know, Purdue in the bowl game, but I'm not going to be mad about that. But none of the regular season losses you could point to and say that team was less talented than Tennessee. So that's a good positive sign. So year two, I would say keep building on that. Beat your South Carolinas and Missouris. Don't let Kentucky beat you in Neyland for two straight trips. Like, handle that type of business. You know, the Pittsburgh game is going to be tough. Florida-Tennessee is going to be Florida versus Tennessee. And, of course, Alabama and Georgia, you're, you're not going to have anything for them. But just kind of continue to, to show that you can out-scheme and overwhelm with your offense some of these some of these worst teams. All right, he's John Reed, host of Talk Sports on Fox Sports knoxville give him a follow at john underscore underscore read i really appreciate your time john yeah always appreciate you all right so just want to say thanks again for john joining the show giving me giving me so much time to talk about tennessee and nil and where the things stand there on rocky top which you know i got to be honest with you and this is not calling out tennessee this is every fan base i'm seeing it we lose a commit we lose a transfer nil can go to hell that's basically the consensus. Ask any Arkansas fan. They were down in the dumps two weeks ago. I was on a Twitter spaces when all these Razorbacks left the program, and these fans were convinced. Texas, USC, they're going to dominate the sport. Arkansas is not going to be able to compete. Flash forward a week, week and a half here later, you got a top half recruiting class because you got one of the best transfer portal classes in the country. So, you know, don't sweat this NIL. Everybody's in on it. It's all above board. It'll work itself out. But, you know, the commitment has got to be there from fans, alumni, boosters. Everybody's got to be pushing in the same direction. And, you know, the SEC's where it's at, due in large part to the leadership that uh, is just outstanding. We all remember, you know, we don't even want to talk about the C word, but there was a football season due to the SEC holding firm I have no doubt that they'll lead the charge here on NIL, get that sorted out. So, hey, it's interesting to talk about. It's something that uh, nobody's really got any answers for, but it's fun to sit here and kind of spiel about it in the offseason. But, hey, that's all I got on this episode. I do appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. Hope to catch you on the next one. <laughs>